created live on Fireside. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear Mitra and her story. She is a mindful ed- educator. If you guys go to her website, you can see Mitra Manesh. She's going to tell us about her app that she has on Apple, but she's also going to share her story and her journey. So welcome, Mitra. How are you? I am excellent, Juliet. Happy Monday to everyone. Happy Monday. So I also, everyone that's in the audience, if you guys look at the two lines at the bottom here, you guys can broadcast live. That's how we get our stories out. That's how we get more people to listen. And um, Mitra is a storyteller. So just this is going to be such a beautiful episode. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear. Um, Hi, Elizabeth and Julian and Patrick. I can't believe that I was muted. Oh my God. I'm like telling, I'm like, Mitra, you're muted. And I didn't even see that I was muted. Um, So Mitra and I met in another audio app and we connected so quickly because of both of our uh, our, our mindsets and what we do. So I'm going to have Mitra share a little bit about what her journey is. Just a tad, Mitra, I would love for you to tell us like where you were in your twenties and then how you've done what you've done and where you, you know, where you are now. Thank you, Juliet. And hi, everyone. My name is Mitra Manesh. Um, I was actually born in Iran, in Tehran, Iran. And, um, and I left, uh, I literally walked out of my country in my very early 20s because of the war and revolution that was taking place in 79 and 1980. And then I ended up living in Europe, in Paris, and going to Australia, living in Australia, uh, back to North America. I was originally in the 70s living in US. And then I lived in Canada and, and now I'm based in US. So that was the informational aspect of my journey. But really the journey was from going, looking for something to hold on to in life outside of me to really finding a place that is far more secure and permanent inside of me. So that's the short version of my story, Juliet. I love that. Can you just share with us why you left Iran when you walked out of your country? Yes. Uh, in 79, there was a revolution in Iran. A um, religious um, uh, front came and uh, there was a coup d'etat and, and took over um, the monarchy, then Shah of Iran. And as a result, the country was in a very difficult situation. And to make it even worse, they started a war with Iraq. So there was a war, there was a revolution, um, it was just a very challenging time and I decided to leave and the airport was closed so I had to literally walk out of Iran so we took a, a bus to the uh, border of Iran and Turkey and had to negotiate uh, our way into getting a bus that was waiting there to take us to Turkey because it's in the middle of nowhere that the border is not a place that you just walk into a city. So it was a very challenging decision to really leave everything behind. And I had already started my journey of losses, I suppose. I lost my best friend to cancer in uh, my teens, and I lost my father when I was 14, and he was a very important uh, figure in my life beside being my father. He was also my role model. So it was a series of losses that was just uh, taking me to a very uh, challenging yet wonderful place. Right. And I mean, I want you to give us a little bit about your, um, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm sorry about your your friend and your dad at such a young age, that is something that's big. And then in your twenties to have to leave your country. So you had a lot of um, things happen to, to form your mindset. And uh, the thing that I loved and how we connected is that you have such a powerful mindset, but such a positive mindset and such a peaceful, soulful mindset. And that's what really draws me to you Um, can you just give us a little bit about what your mindset was when you were in your twenties? I mean, that had to been extremely scary. Um, what gave you that confidence and that, that drive to be like, okay, I need to leave this country. Mm. You know, people call it confidence. I call it clarity. I, 
seem to obtain clarity faster than an average person. And probably because I felt really on my own quite often in my younger age, meaning I had to make decisions and I, I had clarity and I think clarity is the basis for what people call confidence. I knew I looked at the situation. I mean, um, probably people know by now, uh, Iran has become a very, um, religious and a religiously driven country. So when they started telling us what we need to wear and how we need to be, uh, and it wasn't that I was so much sensitive about that. But that was symbolic of where the country was going and how much their personal freedom uh, was going to be compromised. So I decided that that's not for me and I cannot do it. But when you're younger, you don't really evaluate the prices that you pay for what you want. But, you know, the price was high but also the gifts were high. And I think one stage, and I can't honestly recall exactly when it was, I decided that I, I can really just make a decision. I was standing on the fork and I said, either I will be the victim and really try to tell you the story of how bad I have it, or I can really use them. And I wasn't that clear as I'm saying it now, but I really remember the feeling. It's funny, I was invited to speak to a graduating school because I teach at UCLA, um, at, a, at the UCLA, and they they asked me to talk about my journey and my, you know, life story. And I said, which version would you like? And they said, what, what do you mean? I said, I can give you a version that will leave you all sobbing. I can also give you a version that it can get you all excited about your own future and where you're going. Which version would you like? And I think by then I had delivered my message. It was irrelevant what story I was going to share. It's just like that. You need to really see where you, what you want to do with these ingredients that life is offering you. And that is only your decision. Nobody can make that decision for you. So I think I decided I'm going to use it in a good way and make a really good food out of the ingredients that are Oh, oh my gosh. I, I Every time I speak to you, I just, I mean, that just gave me the chills because you painted that picture in my mind, right? I was like, okay, I know the heartache. Um, I, I mean, you touched on it a little bit when we've spoken, um, but then how you've come out and what you have done um, for others. And one thing that you said to me that um, I, I, I wrote down, I actually have it on a sticky right next to me. You wrote, passion followed you. Cause I asked you what you know, how did you follow a passion? And you said passion followed me. Can you give us a little bit of insight into that? Yes, Rumi has a line that says, um, here is my lover sitting in my room and here I am going around the world looking for her. And in a way, all that we are seeking and looking for is right there inside of us. All we need to do to access it. You said, so how did you find your passion? I said, my passion found me. And, and really I see that in, in a sense in every aspects of my life. The passion, the happiness, the growth, the wisdom, it's all within us. The question is, have we really cleared the way to connect with them? They're not lost. We are lost. We always think like it's my passion that it's lost. It's my wisdom that it's not there. They are all waiting there like a very prideless lover waiting for us. But we have created so many curtains, so many obstacles between us and that which awaits us and that which will help us. So my passion really found me. I realized that all these so-called pain and suffering that I have gone through, they are the way for me. And they're the ones that have really fed me. So I incorporated in this going in kind of journey into what I was doing outside of me, which was I was a coach and a trainer. 
And I just included all these inner journeys. I mean, 36 years ago, as you can appreciate, Juliet, um, it wasn't about mindfulness. Mindfulness was not a word that you could use, especially in the corporate world. They would have said, what? But they didn't need to know. I mean, my, and if you see the list of my clients, they were all like top, whatever. I mean, not even 500, maybe 50 um, corporations at least then. And uh, I just said, okay, I just incorporated in in what I'm teaching them and how I'm coaching them and um, they will know the value it doesn't really matter what it's called or what label I give them right and I think I just think that's so um, inspirational and so I mean I could literally listen to you speak all the time because you everything that you say I'm, I'm like yes Yes, because it is such, it's so true. It, you don't have to have a word. It's the way you deliver it. And one thing that um, you also said, and I hope it's okay if I touch on this because of, uh, you know, if this, as you know, this is super close to my heart, but you were telling me, and I did not know this before, that you are dyslexic. And um, I want to know how much of your dyslexia do you think drove you to where you are today, what were the struggles of it in your early years? And then how do you use it as your superpower? Because I know we both uh, said that, like I use my dyslexia as my superpower because I know it makes me and helps me think a little different than everyone else, which gives me something more to share. So can you touch on that, Manisha? Sure. So (laughs) that's okay. Um, You know, I never knew what I had. I knew I was different as a child. I wasn't diagnosed with it until uh, I think I was in my 40s or maybe late 30s when I was in Canada. And But I knew there was something different. I never, like I was a very good student, but if the teacher gave instructions, I would just beg, you know, my friends, what what, what, is, what did they say? What, what, what are we supposed to do? I knew there was something different. And, you know, I think that became the basis for celebrating my differentness and not being ashamed of it. And I think that was the first gift that I received from being dyslexia, even though dyslexic, even though I had no idea that I had something that was called that I didn't again, I didn't have a name for it. But definitely, I knew there is a different way of of me understanding, I would then which was not fashionable, especially in grade one, excuse me, was taking notes of uh, of what they were saying. And if you looked at my notes, they were very different than what the teacher was saying. I was understanding them through colors, through shapes. I would draw as they were talking and making sense of things. I would put them in categories that nobody could relate to, but I could understand. So that was the initial years of uh, me working with dyslexia. And what really helped, and this is again another story, I came from an academically quite, you know, um, good kind of family and I was the youngest child. So I remember when I went to school, um, the teachers would recognize my last name. Either my brother or my sister would have been their student before. And, and they would say, are you as smart as your brother and sister? And I, I didn't know what to say. I was going to say, I don't even understand what you're teaching, but okay, if you think I should be smart, maybe I'll, I'll be smart. And that's that I found ways to understand what they were saying because I thought I needed to be smart because I had that last name. This is something that would have really worked against me as a child, especially a young child, but somehow and I don't know what you want to call that, I never saw um, this journey, this life, even as a child, as something that was like against me, that it was something that was there to hurt me, even though I could really, if you look at the events, <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> yes, really, I really and, felt. <laughs> no, I have to, I have to interrupt you there because I think that's something that's one of the other reasons why we connected because there is, everyone is built different, right? And everyone is, um, has something to share. And it's funny because I was just talking to someone about my son who's, who's is very dyslexic. I mean, he's struggled, but he's also has so many talents and he looks at his talents because that's how we have brought him up, right? I say to him, yes, this is a struggle with this, but guess what? Look how good you are at this. I mean, look how good you are at this and everything. He literally just grew. He's uh, going to be 16 and he's taller than my husband now. So it, it's so funny to just see him. He's like, I'm the tallest in the family. And he's, 
he's not even <laughs> that tall, but we're all, we're all like, it's, it is a, it's, it is something the way you are born innately. There are more positive people, uh, out there. And I really truly believe that. And, but it is something you can also learn. And it is something that you can change your mindset about things. You can look at the glass half full instead of half empty. And um, I really believe that is something that everyone really every day should should do, right? Okay, I'm looking at a situation. How can I find the positive? I tell my kids all the time. When you come from, when they were little and they come from school, I would say always say, tell me five things that were really good that happened. And then I would always, was there anything that was, you know, not that good? Like, you know, let, let's look at this. And every day, even if you're having a crappy day, I want you to find something beautiful, whether it's even the little flower that's in, in the ground, right? That you just walk by and you're like, oh, that's pretty, that lone flower. But I want you to find something positive every day because it's just going to make your day better. If you look at the world through negative goggles, you're always going to find negative things. But when you look through it positive, the things that you find and the things that you maybe wouldn't have seen are so impactful and they can change your life. And so that was one thing that I, um, that I, Mitra, that I really, I think that we've connected so much on that because I was the same school was really, thanks guys. School was really hard for me, but I was a really good athlete and a really good friend. And I just turned it around. Okay. This is where I struggle, but this is what I'm really good at. And I was lucky and fortunate enough to have parents that celebrated the things that we were good at. Um, they didn't, you know, have rose colored goggles on the things that we struggled at. You know what? You're not so good at this. This is something that you have to work a little harder on, but guess what? That's life. And so I love that outlook that you had. And I, anyone that's in the audience, if you guys want to come up, um, Mitra loves, co you know, conversation. She's a storyteller. So she loves um, asking, you know, hearing people's questions. So if anyone wants to come up, you literally, that little react sign, anyone that's new to this app, you can uh, pick a reaction. Let's do, so if you guys put a heart in your reaction or you can ask to come up, but if you put a heart in the action and the, uh, in there, I will be able to do that. But you can also pull yourself up by hitting the two little lines there. And also, if you guys are new to this, you can broadcast to the world so we can get Mitra's story out there to inspire more people because she's going to go into what she is doing now and how she is helping us. She said she has you know clients that were in the top 50 and the things that she was able to do in corporations and the impact that Mitra was ha that has had is really, really wonderful. So um, again, Mitra, I'm so thankful that you're here and taking the time. Can you give us a little bit about, um, and I know we talked about, you know, how your, your passion found you and all of that, but how, like, where did it start? And then how did you build your company? And, and wh what are you doing? Hmm. It started me doing coaching when I actually, at this stage, I was in uh, Australia, Perth, Australia, living there and doing coaching and coaching was so fresh and new that every time I said I'm a coach because I was a young woman and because I was a slim, they said, oh, gymnastic, because that's the only thing they could think. <laughs> coaching right. was not like what it is now, believe me. And I would say no. And then I was really puzzled why everybody thinks I'm a gymnastic coach. And then I figured it out. So I started doing uh, coaching and training and I have no idea what happened that that came through, but I remember that we had a um, software company um, uh, with with my husband then, and the I started making comments about, uh, and I don't remember exactly. It was an American company that was my client, and I was uh, able to make a comment about their team. And it was an older man who owned the company. And he said, how did you know this about my team? And I said, I was observing them yesterday when we spent a day with them. And he said, you need to be a coach. And I said, what is that? He said, you need to be coaching because what you saw in them is something that my HR department hasn't seen in them for a long time. So that's how the coach came. Wow. And that's, <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool, right? Really amazing how life works. And um, so I had many teachers and he was one of them, but I don't think he knew that. So I started, I said, okay. So I started doing coaching. So I started, of course, you always start by, by your friends and, you know, clients that you knew and then it really took off I realized that that was my gift I really can see through people and and their issues because let's go back to dyslexia because of my dyslexia so 
person comes in and tells me about their issue. What I see is a pattern. I actually have a board uh, in my office that I draw their journey. And then I say, okay, it seems like this is, and they always are surprised. If I tell you how many people say, did you research me or did like my partner or my uh, whoever referred me to you, did they say something about it? And I actually have a policy. I never research Thank you. I never research my clients because that's, you know, I've got a lot of celebrity clients. You don't want to know things that I can find out through Google. So it's that pattern that helps me when you talk to me. I see the patterns. So as a result, I can actually assist people far, far better. I wanted to just say something about the positiveness that you talked about. And I want to bring a little bit of a, um, maybe in neuroscience to it. So there are three aspects of us that makes us us. One is genetics that we cannot change. Then is the environment that includes, as you said, the family, the parents, the school we went to. And the third aspect is what we don't pay as much attention to. And that is our free will. And the free will, and this is my name for it, the free will is what allows us to use, abuse, or not use what genetics and environment has or hasn't given us. So when we really take charge, it's really, it's about more of a choice than just putting it, as you said, happy face on it. It's not about that because of that, other than that, then we will never resolve any issues. We just say everything is fine. But it's really taking charge of that free will and understanding that at any given moment, no matter how desperate we may feel in life, we have a choice. And that is very important aspect of the journey. Anyways, long story short, um, I, that became a thing. I took it with me to four continents from Australia to uh, North America. And, um, and it just, you know, all word of mouth. I have never ever spent one dollar for advertising. I started providing services and doing training and one thing led to another. And here I am. I actually, what I do is now I teach at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center, School of Neuroscience and Human Behavior. And I have a private practice where I coach individuals and workplaces to live and work more happily and peacefully and productively. And I also have an app that um, hopefully helps people. It's a mindful living app. It's not a meditation app. It's teaching you how to live mindfully through storytelling. And I have a lights on podcast. There's so many things I do. do I won't bore your listeners about that. No, they you can find out. <laughs> but I was going to say, you never, you never are going to bore anyone. You are so fantastic. Um, and I, so I do want you to so have the podcast. So what is your app called? It's called Inner Map, one word. It's available at iOS App Store. It's very affordable. It's 99 cents a month. Um, but it's about really understanding very difficult concepts. Here's dyslexia coming to the rescue again. Uh, really simplifying the neuroscience and the wisdom of mindfulness into short stories. And these stories are two ways people can share their stories, which I really love to hear from anybody who's listening to this podcast, to this interview. If you have a story, a mindful story, good story that can motivate others, please, please consider sharing it with us. You can go to innermaponeword.me slash your stories. Oh, that's amazing. And so Mitra, I, I do want to also touch on, because I know you said that your father was a very important person in your life, um, because you do have such, such soul and such, um, and you know, when people always say like an old soul and, and you really do, was, were your parents, did they have that coaching Like, was that something that was natural to them? And so you saw that, or was this something that was just really innate in you? Again, I think it was a combo. It was something that uh, my, my grandmother was a storyteller and she gave me a lot of wisdom through simple stories. My next door neighbor was a storyteller and a teacher and he became my teacher. My father, uh, he left very early in my life, but I always saw him as a deep 
deeply kind person. I saw him bringing people. I never forget that. He brought this old woman home and, and we were feeding her and really respect, being respectful to her. And I, I asked him, I said, who is she? And he said, he's, she's like my mother. And I knew his mother had passed. So we really treated her like, you know, respectfully. And, and when she left, you know, we gave her a lot of gifts. And, and later on in life, I asked my dad, who was that woman? And he said, she was just a beggar. And she said that she was hungry. As I was coming mm. home, I brought her home. I mean, hmm. that's beautiful. Yeah. If you see how I treat homeless people, I mean, in the, it, it really is true that environment does help us. I mean, in the pandemic, I, w I was going every night after my food to share some food, simple. I mean, not, nothing big, nothing, um, you know, um, amazing, just, just whatever I had, I would pack it because I knew there weren't many people on the streets and nobody was going to restaurants to help them. It's just simple things that you learn and uh, you become grateful for in life, just seeing kindness. And uh, yes, of course they did. But I always say teachers teach us two ways. Some teach us what to do and some teach us what not to do. Yes. And I respect all of them the same way. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I, I was just telling someone a story today because um, because of my struggles, I was an, the athlete, right? So I, that was where I was really, uh, I really excelled. And I never thought of myself as creative. There must've been a teacher, an art teacher somewhere down the line, because it wasn't my parents. It must've been somewhere that they, you know, said, oh, you're not, <laughs> you're not creative. Stick with the athletics. That's what you're good at. And so I told myself a story all these years that I wasn't creative. And I, I look back now and I, it's, it's so, it's, as you said, teachers can, and then I have the teachers that told me certain things that I stuck with that were positive. But I, I was just telling this friend, I said, it's really funny because I didn't think I was creative. I literally would always say, oh, I'm not creative. I went to college for, um, my major was corporate fitness. Cause again, it was the fitness that I was good at. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And some, and I played two sports and, uh, I was getting recruited by one of the top schools in one of my sports, but I couldn't get my SATs up. I took them, I took them, I took them, I took them, and I couldn't get them up. And I remember being really disappointed, but also at a young age being like, okay, there's a reason for this. And I know I probably would have failed out if I went to that big school. I went to a smaller school, I had support, and I actually ended up getting on the honor roll uh, because I changed my major. And because when I was in corporate fitness, I had to take anatomy and physiology. <laughs> and I very quickly, that's where a lot of my struggles were. I realized, oh, okay, this is going to be tough. And I then tweaked my back and it was at the same time. And I said, oh my gosh, I changed my, my major to communications, radio, television, and film. Now, I still did not see myself as creative and I was creating movies. I was writing movies. I was directing movies. I was acting in movies. I was writing uh, pilots and getting, you know, getting grades on that. I was on the radio station learning things. But what I decided what I wanted my major to be, because again, I was giving myself that story that I wasn't creative. I fell in love with the advertising sales part. And the advertising sales part, I was like, oh, this is so cool. You can, you know, kind of have your hand in like stuff that's creative because I find it interesting, but I can then do the sales, which I'm a people person. I can really connect with people and that's what I love. So that's what I did. Still didn't see myself as creative, even after creating all that stuff in college and getting on the honor roll and getting A's and all those classes. When my kids were little, I used to say the same thing. I am not creative. So they would come to me, oh, mom, I have this R product. Nope, I'm not creative. You got to figure that out on your own. Not creative, not creative. I was the mom that was like, no, let's go run, jump and skip and, you know, dig in the dirt and find worms and, you know, do mud pies and, you know, the coloring and stuff like that. I didn't have, I also had a lot of energy. I have a lot of energy. So do my kids. So we just didn't do that much stuff. Every once in a while, I would say, hey, let's color. And I would do a little bit of it. But it wasn't until a number, probably like when I started my podcast and maybe a little bit before that, I read a book. And as I read this book, and I almost didn't read it because it was about writing, a, being an author. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not creative. My dyslexia, you know, this and that. And all of a sudden it hit me that I've been telling myself a story that is not true that I am very creative. I, literally, when my kids were little, I used to have all these characters. We, they had adventures. And I had this whole storyline. I never wrote it down. because my, But my, my three kids literally would sit there and I would tell them these stories. I never thought of storytelling as an art. 
which is so insane to me because now I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so creative just because I don't, I still can't draw. <laughs> I have stick figures. But it's what we tell ourselves and sometimes what society or teachers tell us that we do. And they don't sometimes know the harm that that can actually put on someone. And they don't do it on purpose, obviously. They're not trying to harm you. But sometimes just three little words. You're not creative. And I don't even know if that's three, but you know where I'm getting. Changed my whole mindset for a very long time. And so, um, but then again, there's the teachers that teach you something and it sticks with you forever. Right? So, Mitra, I love that. (laughs) And also, it's the power of definition. So, define talented, creative. What does that even mean? I always say to people, do you worry? They say, oh, yeah, a lot. I say, you have a very creative mind. That's what worrying is. I'm making up something right. that is not there. <laughs> and, and you know, I can tell you, oh, this will happen and that will happen. That's creativity, except that's a creativity that is not managed. So we want to manage that creativity. There is no person on this planet Earth that is not creative. Everybody is creative. The question is, where and how can I work with my creativity? We have really very limited and restricted definition of creativity. I have to be able to draw or, as you said, or paint or or just like something that is called creativity. But creativity really means giving birth to that which was not there before. That's what creativity is. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. I love when you said that worrying thing, because that's so funny. And I always say to people, why worry about things you can't control? If you can't control it, you have to let, whether you believe in God or the universe, you have to just believe that it's all going to be worked out. And so don't put your energy into that because you can't control it. True. You can command your mind, but you cannot control events. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, Mitra, this is amazing. Okay. So can you tell everyone again where to find you? Just go to mitramanesh.com or go to Apple Store Inner Map app and I will be right there. We also have some, I think, sorry, I'm not very good at this because I usually don't do this. Um, we, we have a store for the um, courses that I have done before and they're recorded. They're there. But I think mitramanesh.com will have all that information. And uh, I'm more interested to hear from people who are here if they have any questions I may pretty skillful coach so let's see if you have any questions yes so amanda help you with amanda james ozzy philip julian patrick one of you guys come up and 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 ask uh mitra or even just join the conversation um this is um, um you know mitra i did tell you this is a new app so sometimes people are a little hesitant to jump on, but we will be having you back on YNS Live many, many times. And, you know, as this app grows, I know more and more people will be like, okay, I can jump on stage. I can ask a question or I can join in. So any of you guys want to jump in, ask a question or just, um, you know, you know, again, give us some insight on what you feel like, what do you think mindfulness means? Or what do you feel like, um, you know, what, what have you learned in your journey? Or maybe you gave yourself a story like I did that I was not creative and you can come up and, and share something to that extent. Mitra and I can continue talking. I will just let, give you guys a little bit of, um, my background. I am Juliet Hahn. I am the host of Your Next Stop with Juliet Hahn, which is on all the Apple players. And this YNS Live is a program that is directly here for Fireside. And I'm really excited because we have the likes of Mitra on, uh, which again, I will be having her back. And once a month, I'm going to be having Cynthia Zordich and I are going to be hosting a room. And that is going to be housed for the NFL spouse. And I'm going to be doing a certain segment on that. And that will be here once a month. You guys, now that we can, you know, schedule stuff, you guys will see. But Cynthia created NFL Thread. She is an ex-NFL wife. And her husband, Michael Zordich, played in the NFL for 12 years. And she created this app because every time they moved to a new city, she realized 
she felt lost. She didn't have the connections. And so she created this app and we have actually partnered so I can coach some of these NFL spouses through some of their struggles, their journeys. Also, I have an online course that helps you tap into your creative passion and turn it into a business. So I'm going to be coaching some of these NFL wives that are, you know, displaced. They go and they follow their husbands and maybe they, or their, their boyfriends or whatever it is. And they've maybe had a business or starting a business and then they've had to start all over again. So that again is going to be here every month and you guys will get the the notifications. But if you want to listen to Cynthia's story, that is on your next stop that actually came out today. So you can go to any of your podcast players. So I think we have a, a shy audience, Mitra, and um, I apologize for that. But I know that, again, we will have you on here more and, and we're going to have you on your next stop where you're going to be able to share your story so people can go and listen to all of your journey and all of that. That sounds great. But I just wanted, because you said mindfulness, we never defined the mindfulness. So if you allow me, I'm just going to define mindfulness. Because it's a word that it's used and, and um, um, sometimes misunderstood word. But mindfulness, um, I have coined my own definition from which I teach and coach. Mindfulness is acceptance and awareness of our present moment experience with curiosity and compassion. So five key words there, which is awareness, presence, acceptance, and curiosity and compassion. So these are the four uh, foundation of mindfulness. And my invitation to your shy audience is that if you start with any of these words, just one, pick one, and try it for a week and see if that um, somehow influences the way you show up in, in your life. To pick curiosity and, and just be curious more than you are now. Uh, compassion and see if that sort of helps you in a different way or presence or awareness or acceptance of that which you cannot change, of course, and see how and if that influences the way you show up. Oh, Mitra, I love that. And you know what you said? And that is so important. So important to focus on one of those things. Because as you said, that is so cool. If someone is not as curious, right, they, they go through life and they just have their heads down and they, you know, just plow through. I mean, I think uh, the pandemic had a lot of people pause and stop and be able to kind of realize, you know what, I'm just going into speed and I'm not ever stopping. Um, one of the things that I say to my kids and my husband, and I now sometimes get eye rolls, but I, I always love it, is pause your body. Pause your body and pause your mind. And, you know, I am someone that constantly is moving forward, but I do allow myself each day just to stop and take a breath and look what's around me. See my surroundings. Who is there? Like you said with the homeless, but who is there that maybe needs help? That is one of the lessons that I teach my kids all the time. If you ask them, what is one thing your mom always says to you? And it's always to be aware of your surroundings. See who's around you because there could be someone that needs your help or there's someone that could actually help you. And if you're aware of what's going on around you, you're going to make better choices. And you also could see something that you never realized you could see if you just pause for a moment. And the curious thing, I love that, Mitra, because I am, that's one of the reasons why I love doing my podcast. That's why I love coaching is because I am so curious. I love to learn. I love to hear people's stories. I love to hear what other people are doing because I always can learn something from them. And there's always someone that I am connected to that either can learn or teach someone else, right? So I'm always networking because I love that aspect of it. So I just, and the compassion part, it's so important because so many of us, again, I think the pandemic really helped shift things a little bit there, but so many people are just thinking of themselves and not thinking of what, you know, someone else is doing, whether it's, they don't believe in their politics or they don't believe in their medical choices and everyone has their own opinion. And if we can all respect and have a little compassion for each other, the world is just going to be a better place. Mitra, what do you think about any of that? Oh, I agree completely. <laughs> and what the pause that you mentioned that you invite your family members to do is a, an amazing tool for being present, that that's one of the yes. major tools because what that really means that we are 
normally either in the past or in the future and um, do not show up in the present moment, talking about the passion that I was talking about, to find anything, all those wonderful uh, wisdom, passion, energy that is within you, you need to connect to it. And for that, you need to show up in this present moment. And when we're not in the moment, I always say it's almost like universe is a delivery service like FedEx is coming to the door and our address universal address is our body so when I'm not there to receive it where am I I'm either in the past or future then I cannot receive that package that gift that is there for me to be you know using so pause is the the space between activities whether it's thinking or moving and without that pause we really cannot be present and or be aware of what's going on uh, within us and what's going on outside of us in our environment. So it's a great tool and great advice that you give your children. I do. And it's so funny because, you know, I have teens now and preteens and, and teens and they <laughs> sometimes just roll their, and they're like, oh, mom, okay, we'll pause our bodies. Um, and it's, you know, there's been a couple of times where my husband has said to me, like, just in the moment, I, I think you need to pause your body. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. Like, especially if we're getting worked up about something, just pause because it's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out. We just have to open ourselves up and allow things to happen. Um, but when you have that positive mindset, when you have the ability to see the positive in the situation, it just changes everything. And um, I think it's so important. So again, anyone in the audience wants to jump up and join the conversation. We have about five more minutes and uh, it can be short. This is actually a really safe space. It's a great place to kind of test if you are new to this app and you're like, how does it work? It's a you know really great, great place. This is also goes out. And as you know, this is housed on here so people can listen to it. There's a bunch of us that were uh, broadcasting live. And so your question is going to go out there too. So it's actually kind of fun, not to scare you, but um, Mitra, again, I just think it's um, so special what you're doing. And um, I love how you found uh, or how your passion found you and followed you. And um, I, you just have so much insight and so much wisdom. And um, I just, I, I really appreciate you. And I'm just so grateful that we have been connected. Thank you. I, I really feel the same way. And you're right. When you do what you do with passion, I, I never understood retirement concept because it's like we really work hard and we really, really run ourselves down to the ground for a, promise of a day that we will retire and I'm thinking I'm I mean I'm in my 60s early 60s but in my 60s and <laughs> and I I just love what I do I don't see retirement as, as something that I would like to do I may choose to have different hours and different way of providing uh, the services that I do provide but really I mean why would one retire from something that they love to do and that that concept only was born in the industrialized world and modern life that we, you know, retire and we chase retirement, which is a very interesting concept. If, if you have balance in your day, if you have passion that you are serving and servicing, then retirement is not even a concept that may be appealing to us. So that's it's a so true. <laughs> I didn't, you know, and I didn't even think about it that way, but you're so right. And that's one of the reasons why I created the course that I did. And it just came to me as I was walking. I was like, I need to help people figure out how to find their passion. Some people don't know how to do it, or they don't allow themselves to do it, or they don't, um, I think Philip's going to come up, or they don't, uh, they just don't give themselves enough space to be like, you know what, I have something that could help someone else. Even if this is one thing I say all the time, and then Philip, I'm going to bring you up, is even if you help one person, 
that one person's going to help their people that are around them, that their immediate family. And then that person's going to help the people and it trickles down. And it's so important. If you have something in your mind that you've always wanted to create a podcast, a write a book, a blog, or, you know, you, you make jewelry or you make greeting cards, there is a place that you can do this and get, and get uh, finances for it, right? There's a place for all of it. And you can also help the more that you, follow that passion, follow that fire, the more people you're going to, you're going to be able to help. So I think that's just so important. So Philip, I'm going to invite you up because you do have the hearts and I see the little bubble, but you might be like, no, I'm not. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah. I, well, first yeah. of all, thank you both for this conversation. I very much enjoyed it and I'm really grateful for the conversation. And I just wanted to, uh, more than anything, say say thank you, first of all, but also I'm a United Methodist pastor. And this is something that I've really taken up in the last five years, just working on mindfulness, both personally, and then also in the way that I teach and inviting people into what I was taught was centering prayer, which the more I study centering the prayer, the more I realize it's just another name for um, a lot of different practices that I've seen in various religions as well. And the the impact that it has on the people that I have the opportunity to teach with is it's just astonishing whenever we start with a centering prayer and how it just changes our ability to be present in such a space. And it's become really a, a big way of my life because I do it with my kids as a bedtime ritual as well, where they're eight, six, eight and six. And we, that's kind of how we wind down at night is by taking a time to do uh, meditation at night. And I just, I'm just really grateful these conversations are happening. And it's uh, again, I don't know what, what faith y'all fall into, but I found a huge impact in the way that um, my faith is expressed and it allows me to be um, a, a leader for people in faith too, using practices of mindfulness. And I wish we had more time for the conversation, but I know there will be more of these coming up soon. And I look forward to being in conversation continually about this, Mitra. So thank you so much. Thank you, Philip. And yes, that's true. I mean, uh, that's what, just think about what prayer is. Prayer is, first of all, you take some time off from activity. That's number one. Two is that you connect to something beyond yourself, whatever you want to call that, collective consciousness, universe, God, doesn't matter. People get stuck on names. You get connected to something beyond yourself. And then you really get connected to that which you wish, either for yourself or for others. So all of these, I mean, it's such a simple thing and people do that. But if you really realize what you're doing, and that's what really matters, the connection, the identification of that which you want, and that break that you are really creating that's a pause that Juliet was I think referring to that we take the pause from activities and that's what holy days are and that's why we have holy days they were holy days because that's when we could be whole even though the writing and the spelling is different really it's about becoming whole taking uh, some time off from the busyness of our day, which is all about mainly survival and paying attention to thriving, which is connection to something beyond ourselves. So thank you for sharing, Philip. That was very, very interesting. Yes. And you know what? And I love, because Philip, we do the same. We, we, uh, you know, ever since my kids were little, we would sit and pray. And um, it's, it's really sweet because I remember there was uh, someone in my sister's community that there was a child that had cancer. And so we would add them to our prayers and that the child passed away, unfortunately. But I remember probably when my, you know, my kids were a little older and I, I could hear them saying their prayers and that little child was still in their prayers because it was, you know, some, it was a ritual. It was like we had created this. And I still say the same, you know, the same start to my prayers before I go, uh, go to bed at night as well. And it is, it's, you know, it's a nice ritual, but it's also a nice, as you said, Mitra, uh, to pause and just to think. And so, um, th you know, that's wonderful. And uh, Mitra, do you have to leave at the top of the hour? Uh, no, I have till um, 15 more minutes. I, I create gaps between my activities. You're so smart. <laughs> and I'm, ac I'm actually okay as well. So Philip, if you did want to continue a little bit, we are okay on that. Um, but you also don't have to. Uh, so totally. 
I actually have to run another call right now, right now, actually. But thank you so much for the conversation. I appreciate it. Of course. And thank you for jumping on the stage so Mitra can kind of really get the whole sense of this wonderful new app, Fireside. Um, Mitra, I think. Yes, love it. Isn't it? It's wonderful. And, you know, you and I will talk on the side about how you can have your rooms as well because, uh, or your chats, because you definitely have a lot to offer this, this community. And th- this is for storytellers. This is for, I know you have a very full plate as well. So um, adding another thing might be very difficult, but um, I just wanted to, again, thank you so much for joining us here on YNS Live. It is my pleasure to, you know, have you here and just listen to your wisdom because you are such a special person and a special soul. And um, I'm just, again, so grateful to be connected. So thank you so much, uh, Mitra. And uh, can you just shout out? I know we've shouted it a couple of times, but you never know when people are joining and especially in the beginning because of my silly pause, um, just shout out where you are, where people can find you and, um, and, and then we can go from there. Sure. It's uh, my name, full name, Mitra Manesh, M-I-T-R-A-M-A-N-E-S-H dot com. And all the information is there. And by the way, we can actually uh, include prayers in our daily living uh, and not just do it in a specific time. As we drive, as we walk on the streets of life, um, you can just randomly, that's what I do. I just randomly look at people and whoever looks like, you know, they may need a bit of help. I just send them loving kindness without even knowing their story. And that helps me to sort of center and, and remember our collective togetherness and unity. And hopefully energetically, it helps somebody. So help does not need to be actual physical help. This is also um, energetic help that we can send to people as we're driving, as we see something happening. I hear ambulances these days more than I would hear other days. And I just, every time I just take a pause, take a deep breath, and I say, may they be safe, may they be okay, may whatever it is get resolved in a best way possible. So it can be incorporated also in our daily living. Yes, I love that so much, Misha. Again, thank you so much. And um, I just love your wisdom. And it's so true to, you know, again, just pause our bodies and think of other people. You know, it's not just all about us. It's what we can share and help. So I'm going to bring the weight spot up. But guys, thank you so much for joining YNS Live. I will be here again on Wednesday at noon with Cynthia Zordich, the NFL Thread founder. She's also the co-author of uh, When the Clock Runs Out, and she does also other things in the NFL community. And then on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern, these are all Eastern times, I will be speaking with the CEO of mombomb.org. It is a charity to help mothers in need. When a mom goes down, Everyone goes down and we all need that support. So that is an amazing charity. And we're going to be talking about the partnership that the three of us have formed and how we are going to be helping both communities with, uh, with, with coaching, empowerment, coaching, mindful coaching, and all of that. And the workshop, uh, your next stop that helps you find your creative passion and turn it into a business or get your current business back up because you found your passion again. Cause sometimes we get stale in life and we just need a little, a little nudge. And uh, you guys can check that out at I am Juliet Han.com. And that's J U L I E T H A H N.com. And uh, again, Mitra, thank you so much. I will be in touch cause we will be doing this more often. And um, I just, I, again, thank you so much. Thank you for introducing me to this new platform and for your questions and curiosity. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.